For those of you that are visiting with us, thank you. And I must go ahead and tell you then that this lesson you're going to hear today is probably the strangest lesson that you probably ever heard from this pulpit. I have this burden on my heart from the people of the Ukraine. And when it was time to prepare this particular lesson, I said, what will go with this slide presentation? What would God want me to go ahead and say to the people here? How can you understand what the people in the Ukraine are going through? And I couldn't think of anything any better than to say, Job could tell you. Job could tell you. Upon reading Job chapter 3, after I read it, knowing this is what I was going to do, I used to play the harmonica. Rest assured, I did not bring my harmonica today. <laughs> if I did, I would be tempted to go ahead and to play a song that Hank Williams sang, I'm so lonesome, I could die. And I want to read just a few verses of it, and you say, well, what does that have to do? It has everything to do with how Job felt. Job's best friend had walked away from him. Job's best friend had put a sign on the door, do not disturb. I'm not taking your calls. I'm not answering your prayers. So we sing or hear the words of this song. Hear that lonesome whippoorwill. He sounds too blue to cry or fly. The midnight train is whining low, and I'm so lonesome I could cry. I've never seen a night so long when time goes crawling by. The moon just went behind the clouds to hide its face and cry. Did you ever hear a robin weep when leaves begin to die? That means he's lost his will to live. I'm so lonesome I could die. The silence of a falling star lights up a purple sky. And as I wonder where you are, I'm so lonesome, I could cry. I'm going to tell you a little bit about one of the greatest men ever recorded in Scripture, Job. One of the great men that ever lived upon this earth. And I've had this observation that great men, great women who do great things, often come from very tragic beginnings. Helen Keller. You think about all the things she accomplished. And I've tried to put myself in her position of what it would be like to not think of words. Sometimes at night, when I'm having difficulty sleeping, I'll say, I'm not going to think of anything. I'm not going to let anything come in my mind. For that brief moment, I can appreciate Helen Keller. But I can't really because I could also hear, and she couldn't. I knew a man that lost seven brothers and sisters as he was growing up. And he told me, he said, Jerry, I felt like the coffin was part of our furniture because it was in our parlor room so many weeks. 
And for people like the people in the Ukraine, the book of Job will bring comfort to those crushed by pain. Now, I need to warn you, this is not going to be your favorite chapter in all the book of Job. This was not a chapter that was easy for me to prepare my first lesson from it. Have you ever known anybody said, what's your favorite scripture you want to share with us? Nobody has ever said, well, it comes from Job chapter 3. Nobody's ever memorized one of those scriptures out of Job chapter 3 and told it to me. It's one of those chapters that makes you just want to shake your head and move on to the next chapter. Because here the scabs have been pulled off the sores and the pus of reality flows down Job's life. And some of it is just absolutely offensive. Job. When we first meet him in chapter 1, oh, he has it all. I was looking at what he had, and I, I'm kind of a businessman on the side, and so I was making out his will for him, okay? Now, he had seven sons and three daughters. Well, he had 7,000 sheep, okay? I've got this figured out. I'm going to give each one of you seven boys 1,000 sheep when I'm gone. Now, I've got 3,000 camels well, girls, come here. I'm going to give y'all all a camel apiece because you don't work camels. You put them out for hire. They become like, is it J.B. Hunt or whatever his name is? You're going to have your own, instead of a trucking company, you can have income coming in from running those camels back. Now, we're still left out with 500 yoke of oxen. Well, boys, you need those because y'all need to work with them. And girls, I've still got 500 female donkeys left that present and give the sweetest milk that you've ever drank. So that's what we've got. And Job smiles. He's got a good wife. He can walk out. He owns it all. <coughs> Just as far as you can see, he owns it all. But he doesn't see up into heaven. He doesn't know that on a particular day when God has an accounting, all the angels come in and have to give a report. Kind of like the deacons should have to, to the elders. And they give this report. But we see somebody striding right in, right down the aisle way. I picture him, I don't picture him with cloven hooves. I picture him with cowboy boots on. Maybe lizard skin, cowboy boots. He's looking good. So if you're picturing some little ugly thing, you picked the wrong man. Probably the best looking man you've ever seen on the face of the earth because God created him. And at one time, he was at the top right under God. Yeah, he looked good. And God has to smile when he sees one of his boys coming. Will this be the day he comes in? Now God knows all things. But I'm saying will this be the day that he comes in and says. I repent. Would you accept me back? Y'all know he would. He would accept him. But that's not what he's got on his mind. So God says. 
Where have you been? I've been out. I can't remember who was it. Hank Snow or Hank somebody. I got the Hanks today in my mind. I've been everywhere, Lord. I've been everywhere. That's what he was saying. I've been everywhere. I've been Paragool. I've been to Poplar Bluff. I've been all over the world walking. And God said, did you see Job? And God would have to smile. Did you see Job? And he said, yeah. He said, hard to see him, though, for that big old fence that you got all around him, keeping anybody from hurting him. Yeah, I'd be good myself. I might have done better if you had put this around me. That's the way the devil thinks. I wanted that. I could wish I had all of that stuff. God said he's good. He's only good because you protected him. He said, I could break him. I could make him curse you, God. I could do that. God says, I'm going to let you try. But you can't touch his body. You can't kill him, in other words. Now, this is what I wish the Ukrainians could see. Job didn't have the slightest idea what was about to fall on him. The Ukrainians, on February the 23rd last year, had no idea. Are you saying, Jerry, you think it might be possible that the devil walked up and said to God, and the devil said to God, they'd curse you. <coughs> if you turn me loose on them, they'd curse you. Now, did this happen? I don't have the slightest idea. Could have. I don't know how everything works, but it could have. But the point I want you to see is, Job didn't have any idea. That when he woke up tomorrow, the worst day of his life. All right, first of all, here comes a fellow knocking at the door and he said, Job, Job, the Sabaeans have come and they've taken all the oxen and the donkeys. Second man comes just as quickly and he said, Job, he said, lightning had struck, fire came down from heaven and it's destroyed all the sheep. And then third one coming in right behind him and he said, Job, Job, the Chaldeans have come and they've stolen all the camels. And before he could finish, a fourth one comes and he said, Job, I've just left a house where your boys and your girls were. And a great wind has come and it's destroyed the house. They're dead. They're dead. Just like that. And Job has no idea why. He knows what has happened. But he has no idea why. Now, Job chapter 3 does not resemble chapter 1 or chapter 2 in any regards. But it fits right in. You see, God's workings don't always resemble the plans we have for our lives. I shared with this young couple that was over there this morning with the twins. I had no idea what I was getting into when my wife and I adopted that set of twins. We had all the plans for them. My son would be the song leader. He'd be the preacher. And uh, his twin sister would be just a Bible class teacher. You know, something about Job that people don't like, this portion of Job, because Job is depressed. Now, let me, let me, I'm going to just go back. That was just the first time. All right. 
we're having another meeting when all the angels are coming in. And here comes the devil. Uh, in the Hebrew, Satan. 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 He comes in. Where you been? Satan? Everywhere. Did you notice my boy Job did not curse me? Uh-huh. And I know why. Because you wouldn't let me touch him. You let me touch him, boy, and he'll curse you so loud, you just, mm, it'll reach to heaven. God said, no, don't believe he would. You can touch him, but you just can't kill him. Well, Job doesn't know that when he wakes up another time, he wakes up. Boy, I don't know what's wrong with me. I must have the flu. I must have the measles. I must have chicken pox. I must have the mange. I'm burning up with fever. And he's not, he's still talking to God, but God's not responding. Now, we don't want our heroes to be depressed. But Job is depressed. Now, let me say something about the book of Job. This is just chapter 3, but chapters 1 and 2 were written in prose or a narrative style. In other words, it's written like we talk. Chapter 3 that we're looking at today, all the way through chapter 42, is written in poetry. And there's a certain bit of artistic license about it that may just go ahead and cause you to scratch your head. So I'm not always sure exactly what Job meant. Now, when Job is telling this, and it's being recorded, and by the way, this is probably the oldest book of the Bible. I'm not going to start arguing that, but it's one of them. Job's pain level when he was writing this, recording this, telling this, you know, they've got that little chart in hospitals, 1 to 10, Job's was 11, his pain level. But his emotional pain, if they had a meter for it, it would have been a thousand, a thousand. Job can't sleep at night because he's confident he's lost his best friend, God. For many years, they'd had this intimate relationship, symbolically, of God coming and walking with him like Adam in the cool of the evening. Now, I would like this a lot better. I'm going to be honest with you. I'd like it a lot better if God had said, Job, or sent one of his angels down. Would that have been too much trouble to say, Job? I just want you to know what's going on. The reason your boy died, the reason your girls died, the reason then that all the animals died, the reason that all of this destruction is, God needs you to prove to the devil that you can hang on when you're at the end of the rope. But he didn't do that. I wish God would have said to him, Job, I'm right behind you. I'm going to be right there when this is all over. Job didn't know anything about the why. All he knew about was the what. And it looked like God had put a do not disturb sign on heaven's doors. Chapter 3. Verses 1 through 10. I'm not going to read it. He talks about his birth. I wish I had never been born. Chapter well, verses 11 through 19. He said, but if I had been, I wish I had died at birth. 
verses 20 through 26. I didn't do that, but I wish I could die right now. Then in verse 1, afterward, Job opened his mouth and cursed the day of his birth. You might say, well, the devil did it, didn't he? He got him to curse God. Wrong. No. He cursed the day that he was born. The Bible says afterward. After what? After he'd lost all his children. Seven boys, three girls. After he'd lost his life's work on the farm. After he had lost his health. After he had lost his wife's respect. Now you say, why does that chapter read the way it does? Job's depressed, folks. Accept it. He is depressed, and there's nothing wrong with him being depressed. I'm amazed the man doesn't say, I'm thinking I'm going to kill myself. I preached my first sermon when I was 12 years of age. I'm 78. At 66 years, I have preached so many funerals. But during COVID, I preached about six suicide connected with our church. People that just committed suicide. But Job didn't even mention that. He said, I love verse 8, let those who curse, curse the day. You know what? Job didn't even know how to cuss. That's right. Didn't even know what. You say, what was that Leviathan about down there? Well, Webster would tell you it's a sea monster who's an adversary. <clears throat> In their mythology at the time, they believed that there was a Leviathan, a seven-headed sea monster that would come out, quite frankly, every time then that we would have an eclipse of the sun or the moon. That's because that sea monster has come up and swallowed the sun. Come up. Now, did that really happen? No. Did Job really believe that? No, he was just using an illustration of something. Kind of like me and my three children. What about Santa Claus? Let me tell you something. When I was a boy, I believed in Santa. I can't say I really, 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 really was close to him. If you're a school teacher... And on the first day of school after Christmas, do not call me if you're tempted to do it. Do not ask the children, what did you get for Christmas? My best friend's name started with L. My name started with M, so that meant I sat behind him. Dud Carl, would you tell us what all you got for Christmas? Oh, yeah. I can't remember if it's that Lionel train I got that had 480 feet of track. And Daddy had built up this three-level table so it could run up and run down. And I could prop my baby. He made me a baby gun holder right over here. And I got a bowling ball. We'd never seen a bowling ball, but you get my point. He just talked about what all he had gotten, what all he had gotten. And they'd say, now, Jerry, what'd you get? Well, my father wasn't bad off. But he thought a good Christmas gift was for a boy who's going to college someday was a pen and pencil set. And I hated say pen and pencil set. That all you got? Well, as a child, I definitely believed in Santa. And as a teenager, I had my doubts. And when I had children, I discovered I am Santa. And now that I'm at this age, I look like Santa. I do. Let me tell you about this chapter. 
go all the way to the print. That's Satan, the picture I put up there. That's Satan striding in. And that's Joe. We loved those kids so much. He offered those sacrifices just in case they'd done wrong. And that's, anyway, you see him losing the stuff when the shepherds were telling him about it. That's when he had the sword. Now, those are not really pictures of him, but moving on to the print. And that's when his three good buddies come. Whew, I don't need buddies like that. Now, here's point number one. I'm only going to give you three points out of this. Here's number one. There's going to be some days in your life, like the Ukraine's going through right now, that are so dark, you can't even see light. You can't even see light. Now, you may have been there before. Ukrainians are there. What is the next point I want you to get out of this? There are some experiences so extreme, they'll knock the hope out of you for a while. They'll knock the hope out of you for a while. I had 11 family members to die in one year. That knocked something out of me. Point number three, there are some valleys. There are some valleys too deep for the anguish to see the light. When you get to the end of the rope, tie a knot in it, hold on. Linda Randall I once had an opportunity to travel with the Gaithers. Now, I know that's scaring you all to death because you said, I didn't hear you sing. I met Bill Gaither. We went on a cruise. And for some reason or other, I sat across from him. And he had just gotten up and told about writing a song, He Touched Me, and how he had given it to Elvis. And he told about Elvis visiting his town. Well, I said to Mr. Gaither, Mr. Gaither, if that was the best story you had about Elvis, I wouldn't have embarrassed myself getting up there and telling it. And he said, Jerry, he had already learned my name. To say that, you have to have a better story about Elvis, don't you? I said, well, I do. Just so happens to do. 1962, I graduated from Pickett High School. My brother got me a job working for the Memphis Park Commission, Memphis, Tennessee, where I could save up. My dad thought I was going to save up $27,000 that summer. I saved up $300. Okay, there was a slight difference in what daddy's hopes were on my saving ability than mine. But I did save up $300. One afternoon, I was sitting on the front porch. Here comes a van just coasting down the road, and it stops right smack dab in front of where I'm sitting. And out stepped Elvis Presley. Elvis was 27. I was 17. He might have been 26. That's when he was making movies. But he had run out of gas. And he said, boy, could I go in your house and use a phone? Elvis didn't have one of these. He didn't have a cell phone, okay? He didn't have a CB. He didn't have any way to communicate. I said, I'll do better than that. I'll take you home. He hopped my old 59 Ford. I had two different kinds of hubcaps on it on the front. One kind of spinner on one side with three prongs. Another one had four prongs. But nobody could look at both of them at the same time. So I wasn't worried about it. I wasn't worried about it. So he got in my car and we took off. He's not saying a word. I'm not saying a word. I said to myself, self, you're riding down the road with Elvis Presley. Everybody's going to say, what did he say? And you're going to say, nothing. What do you say? Nothing. 
So I made a terrible mistake. I said, Elvis, I just love this latest song that you have. And he said, Jerry, which one? If you had offered me $47 million to name a song that Elvis had ever sung, I couldn't have, I wouldn't have taken it. wouldn't even guess. Couldn't think of Hound Dog or nothing. I said, well, just the last one. I just assumed you went in there saying they poured a bunch of wax down on something or plastic and they made a record. He said, I never know. Watch out. I don't like listening to it. Make a long story short, he invited me to come back. That was a mistake because I did. Played football with him, wanted me to ride bumper cars with him, invited me to a theater party starting at 2 o'clock in the morning at the Loaves Theater. Why am I telling all this? Fifteen years later, I was at the Baptist Hospital having ear surgery. They said, code blue, code blue, code blue, or code red, code red, or something, some code. My wife ran out and said, hospital on fire. They said, honey, it's worse than that. They brought Elvis in, and he's dead. Let me tell you something. I sense that Elvis envied me when I was 17 years of age. But I know that when he died, he envied me. Now, I'm not his judge because he tried to do right when he was with me. We played football, and he said, I'm thirsty. I want something to drink. And they brought out a van that was, had every kind of liquor. And he reached in, got two six-ounce Coca-Colas, popped a top, one for me, one for him. He said, Jerry, I know my mama would love you. But I'm going to tell you something. He saw some valleys himself. He saw some days that were too dark for him to see the light. He saw some experiences that were so extreme that they knocked the hope out of him. Now, after I told that story, Bill Gaither asked me to come up and do a little skit with him. We did. And he offered me a job. He said, I can make you the next Mark Lowry. You know what I told him? No temptation there. I've got the best job on the face of the world. I'm a missionary for Almighty God. Linda Randall was there, and I'm telling this only to introduce her song. For the God on the mountain. Job listened to this. People in the Ukraine listened to this. For the God on the mountain is still God in the valley. When things go wrong, he'll make them right. See, if I had time, I'd just tell you the end of this story. God makes it right. And the God of the good times is still God of the bad times. And the God of the day is still God of the night. Job, even though people believe then that the Leviathan comes out, swallows the sun, swallows the moon, you can't keep a good man down, Job. And I know you don't know what's happening, and so you're tempted to lose heart, but he never, ever cursed God. Cursed the day he was born. Don't blame it at all for that. I've seen times I wish I'd never been born. I've seen times I wish I'd died, but never was tempted to take my life. I could have showed y'all slides and y'all never batted an eye of the Ukraine again. They sent me one. Eight people lined up. Seven men. One woman. All in their underwear. All with their legs covered with blood. The men had been raped by the Russian soldiers. The women had been raped by the Russian soldiers. 
And they put that picture up, and they're putting it all over the Ukraine to show, if you don't give up, you'll be number nine. You'll be number nine. I wish I could tell them, hold on. Tie a knot on the end of that rope, because it will be over. And that we've got a God that can take the worst things on the face of the earth and turn them into something good. Now, how could it be? I mentioned Poland. You know how many churches of Christ we have in Poland? Five. Now, we have hundreds in the Ukraine. Five in Poland. Now, I'm not a prophet or nor a son of a prophet. We'll have more than five congregations in Poland when this is through. And the church will be stronger in the Ukraine when this is through. they got to hold on. Thank you all for helping me enable them to hold on. Well, if you're not a child of God, don't leave this place today. Jesus is coming. Every day I listen for him and I look for him. I don't know when he's coming. I'm going to be ready. I'm going to be excited. I'm going to be happy when he comes. All right. I'm looking for my song leader because I want him to be ready come right now as we stand, as we sing.